ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌನಕ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವತೀತಮಸ್ತಮಾವಿಶಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಎನಿ ಕ್ವಶನ್ಸ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಸೊ ದ ನ್ಯೂ ಪೀಪಲ್ ವಿ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಫಿನಿಶ್ಡ್ ಅ ಬುಕ್ ಫಾಲ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಹ್ಯೂಮನ್ ಇಂಟಲೆಕ್ಟ್ ದ ಗೆಸ್ಟ್ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ವೀಕ್ ವಾಸ್ ದ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ವಿ ಗನ್ನ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟ್ ಅ ನ್ಯೂ ಬುಕ್ ನೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ವೀಕ್ ಸಂಡೇ ಸೊ ಇನ್ ಬಿಟ್ವೀನ್ ವಿ ಜಸ್ಟ್ ಡೂಯಿಂಗ್ ಅ ಕಪ್ಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಪೋಯಮ್ ಸೊ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಅನ್ ಐಡಿಯಲ್ ಡೇ ದಟ್ ಯುವ ಕಮ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ವಿ ಗನ್ನ ಡೂ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಫ್ರೆಶ್ ಸೊ ಯು ಡೋಂಟ್ ನೀಡ್ ಟು ನೋ ದ ಪಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸಸ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಸೋ ಆನ್ ದಸ್ ಅ ಬೇಸಿಕ್ ಫೌಂಡೇಶನ್ ಆಫ್ ದಿಸ್ ನಾಲೆಜ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಕವರಿಂಗ್ ಆ್ಯಸ್ ವಿ ಗೋ ಅಲಾಂಗ್ ಸೊ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಆ್ಯಸ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಯು ಫೀಲ್ ಆ್ಯಸ್ ಇಫ್ you know you don't know and if there is any clarification just ask me it's not a problem there's no silly question here okay so, does anyone have any questions from last week's class okay so we've all come to a certain stage understanding i hope as far as this knowledge is concerned some of you have completed about three short books and have been coming to class for a year now well done yeah <laughs> commitment what you'll find is that this knowledge as you take in more and more it begins to remove your ignorance meaning misunderstanding about life it makes things clear of what life is all about what spirit spirituality is what is god doesn't matter what religion faith you believe in the result is the same yeah. this knowledge puts you on the right path with understanding and learning the truths of life many there are many religions but they're all man made they will come and go yeah but the truths of life is just that what is the truths of life you put your finger in a fire what will happen over does it matter what religion you are okay so that is the truth of life this is what we're studying yeah. these truths come from beginning of time and will remain for eternity this is what this knowledge is the origin it originates from the vedas highest knowledge known to man they say most nearly all philosophy including the greek philosophy it all originates from the vedas so now that we're all reasonably learned anita in the subject we have some idea about what what the purpose of life is what is it who can explain what is the purpose of life hmm be happy and content okay that's what everybody wants isn't it happiness peace and happiness so is that the purpose of our life to play our roles the best we can play our roles the best we can seek ourselves seek ourselves sorry connected with god very good connected to god we just the desires all of you are right so 
the ultimate goal, we said, is to connect with God. So how do we do that? How do we connect to God? When they said ultimate ways to connect to God. Releasing your own anger. Okay. In the feeling. Okay. Very good. By meditation. This is exactly what we're studying here. How to become one with God. There are different ways, and this is what we're discussing. Perfect. She's been. You guys have been here one year. First class. She she already knows. (laughs) See. Connecting the wrong ways. Some people just have it. They don't need the knowledge. <laughs> this I'm, being, I'm not joking here, because this is my next line. So, purpose in life is to develop spiritually by applying these truths in our life and reach our goal of self-realization. What you're saying, connecting with God, means self-realization. Buddha was self-realized. Jesus was self-realized. Krishna was self-realized. There are so many self-realized souls. They've achieved that goal, what we, what we said. We are not this body, mind, and intellect. Human beings made up of the body, the mind, the intellect, and the Atman. So, we're saying we're not this body, mind, intellect. We are Atman. The self, as you said. So, what is this that's stopping us from getting to our goal? When it already said it. Desires. 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 What's stopping us is desires. And desire that takes you towards the world is taking you away from your goal as a human being. Any desire that takes you to the world is taking you away from the goal of a human being, to become one with God. Hence the formula, God plus desires equals human being. So how do you become God then? Minus the desires. desires. These are all meditation, everything, these are all tools to reduce the desires. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it's to Eliminate them. We are born because of our desires. So to stop that birth-death cycle, you need to remove those desires. So, as mentioned in the last class, all scriptures, all holy books, the main message is to reduce your desires. doesn't matter how they say it. Some tell you how to do it as a form of a story. Some tell you directly. Ultimately, it's telling you Reduce your desires. So your true self is God. You are God. But right now, we are ignorant of this fact. This brings us to today's class. We are going to read a few English poems. English poems, by the way. And discuss them in the class. The theme of the poems we are reading is about desires. So, whoever has a book, um, the poem, one of the first poems we're going to read is Pineapple and the Bee. Uh, any questions on desires before we move on? Did everyone understand the introduction on desires and our goal, yeah? Okay. So, uh, does everyone have access to a book or 
Yeah. Okay. Gonna wait. Okay. So the first poem is called The Pineapple and the Bee. The pineapples in triple row were basking hot and all in blow. A bee of most discerning taste perceived the fragrance as he passed. On eager wing the spoiler came and searched for crannies in the frame. Urged he his attempt on every side, to every pane his trunk applied, but still in vain the frame was tight and only pervious to the light. Thus having wasted half the day, he trimmed his flight another way. Methinks, I said, in thee I find the sin and madness of mankind. To joys forbidden man aspires, consumes his soul with vain desires. Folly the spring of his pursuit, and disappointment all the fruit. While Cynthia ogles as she passes, the nymph between two chariot glasses. She is the pineapple, and he the silly unsuccessful bee. The maid who views with pensive air, the show-glass fraught with glittering wear, sees watches, bracelets, rings and lockets, but sighs at thought of empty pockets. Like thine, her appetite is keen, but ah, the cruel glass between. Our dear delights are often such, exposed to view but not to touch. The sight our foolish heart inflames, we long for pineapples in frames. With hopeless wish one looks and lingers, one breaks the glass and cuts his fingers. But they whom truth and wisdom lead can gather honey from a weed. So, what's this poem talking about? What's this poem talking about? Good. Any other? Get inside. Huh? <coughs> to the windows in the, in the windows in the way, yeah. What else? Wanting to get things that are unachievable. Unachievable. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts? We're going to discuss it, but just to see where you guys are. Omar, any idea? Temptation. Temptation, yeah. Everything becomes hopeless. Hopeless, okay. Everything you're looking at is hopeless. Okay. Didn't achieve his desire. Hmm? Didn't achieve his desire. Well done, Karen. So, there was a bee flying past the window. Yep. And there were pineapples in triple rows. The bee was attracted by the fragrance of the pineapple and decided, I'd like some of that. In other words, a desire manifested. You know, we go past the shop window and it a desire manifests. So he was looking for a way to enter, but the glass was in the way. He's looking for little crannies huh, to find if he can get in, but he couldn't. So he spent half the day, then went away frustrated. So the poet compares the bee to us humans. The sins of mankind, as it says in there. It says we spend half of our life looking for peace and happiness. How? Through acquisition and enjoyment. If I get this, I'll be happy. 
If I get that, I'll be happy. You spend half a life doing that. But we don't always achieve it, so we're disappointed. What we don't realize is that not everything is meant for us. Like the pineapples were not meant for the bee. There are many things in the world that is not meant for us, but we develop a desire for it. See, there's nothing wrong with having a desire, but if it's uncontrolled, who gets agitated? Why did I get that? So you have a desire and you get agitated. No one else's fault, not yourself. No one else's fault. But you blame everybody else. Why him and why her? Why not me? So to give two examples in the poem. A lady, woman passing in a chariot. So let's say a woman passing in a car. You know, Bentley, Rolls Royce, whatever. She's behind that glass. And Cynthia, he looks and sees her, ogles. And says, I'd like to be with her. It's beyond his scope. It's desire manifested unnecessarily. Yeah. This is what happens to us in life. Some desire comes from nowhere, just like that. So the poet uses a woman. Why a woman? For the uh, people who come here regularly, what does woman represent? The weakness for everything. Weakness for everything? Yeah. What does a woman represent? We've covered it before. See if anyone remembers. In all the scriptures, they use the term woman. So, woman represents the most powerful sense object. They use the term woman, but today we have a majority of women, so we can say man, okay? <laughs> man or woman, yeah? It represents the most powerful sense object. As we said, we have five sense organs. Anita? You're the master of the sense <laughs> organs. What are the five sense organs? Touch, smell, yeah. taste, smell, hearing, and sight. Yeah. So, we hear music, we can only hear with the ears. That's one sense organ. We smell perfume, we use only one. So a man, a woman, we use all five senses. So that's why it's most powerful. See, we, we said before, no? the fish, has sense for taste. The fisherman, he puts his little worm there, he goes for it, kills him. Just one sense of. The elephant for touch, isn't it? One touch. The skin, he gets caught. The, is it the deer? Deer? Uh, is the no, uh, sound? One, that's the strongest. So as a human being, we are, all five senses, we are prone to. So that's just one sense organ, they can die from it. We, all five sense organs, we're contacting the world, five times the trouble. So the woman is the most powerful sense object. All five sense organs contacted. Eyes can see how handsome the person is. 
nose can smell the perfume or his aftershave, we can say, tongue can taste, <coughs> skin can touch, ears can sweet hear the sweet voice of your partner. Anything? So that is why they use woman or man to represent five sense organs. Our desires can pop up anywhere in any of those sense organs. So that's why we have to control it. Don't want anyone saying you haven't heard my husband's voice. It's not very sweet. Yeah. It's just an example. So similarly fragrance attracts the bee to the pineapple. And beauty attracts the man to a woman. Same sort of thing. This is what they're saying. Second example, a maid looking in a shop window, say Harrods, passing Harrods, see bracelets, lockets, rings, desires manifest to have it, but empty pockets, <coughs> agitations. So he attacks a man and a woman. So for all our desires, there is always a glass in between. What does the glass represent? What, can, what does the glass represent? Do not touch. Ignorance. Obstacles in life. There are always obstacles in life in order to fulfill our desires. I don't have enough money. I don't have time. Wife says, let's go on holiday. I don't have time. Obstacles. And what we're doing in life? Constantly craving more wealth, more power, more beauty, sensuality. Cravings never stop, do they? This is life, isn't it? All of us. Our dear delights are often such, exposed to view but not to touch. The sight our foolish heart inflames, we long for pineapples in frames, our desires never end. With hopeless wish one looks and lingers, one breaks the glass and cuts his fingers. Some people can't control their desires, they end up breaking the law, robbing a bank, stealing. Why? To fulfill a desire, isn't it? They can't control their desire. I want that. I don't have any money. How do I get it? Okay, I'll steal. Desire is too strong. They can't control it. They break the law to fulfill their desires. And this is where the philosophy comes in. The last two lines. But they whom truth and wisdom lead can gather honey from a weed. What does that mean? Truth and wisdom lead can gather honey from a weed. And gaining knowledge. Gaining knowledge? Yeah. Can lead you to the right path. Lead you to the right path, absolutely. Obtaining happiness. Obtaining happiness. Obtaining happiness? In the right places. 
right places. Any other? Using your intellect rather than mind-led. Yep. Desires manifest. Mind says, I want it. Leave, leave it. Leave it. So, huh? Oh. You've, you are content. Why do we run after things? Because we're not happy. We're not content. We think by gaining that object or that person, we will be happy. This is why we're running after things. Some things can be very harmful. Very harmful to you, yeah. But we don't know it until we get it. Yeah. So, why do we have to experience it? Why not stop before we experience that and be harmed? See? But this we need knowledge and understanding or intellect. The mind will say, I want it. Then it tastes sour and then think, you know what, I shouldn't have had it. <laughs> it's too late. You've already experienced it. But the, the, the goal is to stop before you get to that experience. Isn't it, Ajish? Then you're in control of your personality, your control of life, your control of how you go contact the world. Stopping one step before. For that you need knowledge. We don't need these things to be happy. But we feel that by gaining it we will find happiness. Sometimes you're just running away from things no reason. Okay. Thinking, okay, if I go out today, I'm going to be happy. You come back to the same thing without you realizing. Lack of knowledge. And Lack of knowledge. This is what we're studying here. In your own mind, for yeah. no, this is what we're studying here. See, no one is saying anything because they already know. You're new, that's why you're saying this. <laughs> In the class I'm talking about. In the class. The older class member know this. But they, they know it intellectually. <laughs> huh, Anita? They know it intellectually. <laughs> See, they all know it intellectually. That's why no one, no one says anything. So we don't need these things to be happy, but we don't realize that. So he says, truth and wisdom lead meaning, developed intellect, understanding life, understanding how we function, understanding our goal if we live if, if we in life follow higher values develop our intellect we can be happy no matter who we are whatever situation we are in because we have an understanding of greater values an understanding of the truths of life as we mentioned can we get happiness from the world ultimately this is what we're saying isn't it can we get happiness from the world? Yes or no? Yes. You can. I know you've just been on holiday, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> She's just come back from holiday. You see, that's why she if thinks. You don't get happiness, not real. As we agree, yeah? You'll know. Uh, next week I'll ask you the question. You can, but it's transient, isn't it? It's transient. See, we believe there's happiness in the world. That's why we run after things. Yeah. But even if we gain what we want, it's temporary. Like even this will pass. In a month, you will forget the holiday, you'll be planning your next one. Why? Because you feel that my next holiday will give me happiness. Yeah. See, it's temporary. This is, 
that happiness starts fading. It's temporary happiness. You can't expect your angry partner not to be angry. You can't expect your husband who drinks to become a teetotaler. You can't expect a nagging wife not to be nagging. You understand it is my partner's nature. Where you can change things, you try to change it. Where you can't, you have to accept it. So he's talking about people's nature. If you understand the nature of my partner is such, how can it cause you misery? Right now, we, ha we, don't, we talked about objects, now we're talking about beings, yeah? If we understand how our partner's nature is, if we're agitated by a partner, your child, any, anyone in your friends, whatever, the only reason you agitate is because you, don't, you haven't understood their nature. If you understand that's their nature, he can't or she can't help them help themselves. But we have wrong expectations. Just as we have wrong expectations thinking that gaining that object we will find happiness. Similarly with people as well. Wrong expectations. You want everyone to be how you expect them to be. As if you're the perfect person in the world. Huh? This is the problem in life, isn't it? We can't, if you can't change things, then you have to accept it. It's not what you meet in life, but how you meet it. Are you prepared? Any situation we can still be happy no matter what. So it talks about triple row of pineapples is attracting the bee. It mentions in three rows. Triple row pineapple is attracting the bee. The world is attracting us, the human being. Why triple row? Anyone? Why in triple? Why do they mention in three? That's two. Why three? Okay, fair enough. That's another way of looking at it. There's a specific point the poet is trying to say. Yeah, perfect. Body mind. Triple row because we're attracted to the world. How are we attracted to the world? As Ravi said, body, mind, and intellect. We're attracted to the world with our physical body, sensual pleasures. We're attracted by the mind, emotional pleasures, and intellectual. Appetite for knowledge. Those are the three ways we're attracted to the world. Correct? Any attraction to the world is either the body, the mind, or the intellect. Hence, Three rows of pineapple. It represents that. So it's saying you see that in the bee, the
the poet says, I see the madness of mankind. We waste our lives chasing acquisition and enjoyment. We spend, waste so much time acquiring. Before you know it, we're old. We can't even enjoy it anymore. Physically, we're no longer strong. All the things we aspire to do, we have the bank balance now, but you can't enjoy it. So then what do we do? We worry. What will happen to all my wealth? All this money I've accumulated. So many people, they never know when to stop. They acquire, acquire, acquire more than they need, and then that's it. Life is nearly over. So saying having a balance, have a balance in life. Acquire, nothing wrong with it. But acquire what you need. And a little bit access. Or another way, which I mentioned before, if you want to be rich, how do you become rich right now? How do you become rich? What's the formula? If you want to become rich right now, what do you do? Be happy with what you have. Be happy with what you have. Reduce your desires so that it is less than the amount of money you have right now. You're instantly rich. A person can have a billion pounds and be poor because his desires are for two billion pounds. He's a poor man. This guy has 100 pounds in his bank. He's rich because he doesn't even know what to do with that. So instantly you can become rich. Reduce your desires. You know, it also brings you closer to your goal in life. That's the first poem. Any questions? A lot of philosophy there, by the way. Just have to understand it. I think you just got to open up for yourself and think it doesn't say that. Stop. Stop. I mean, for yourself. <laughs> See, the, the mind, the mind is what behaves in that way. The mind doesn't know how to stop. It's easier to say, just stop. But your mind will not let you stop. See, we say we are made of the body, the mind, intellect. Body is your physical personality, your sense organs, you contact the world. Okay, you see the world with your eyes, you smell the world with your nose, taste with your tongue, hearing, touch. Your mind is where your emotions are, your likes and dislikes, I like this, I don't like that. Your feelings, yeah? It's like a child in you. It's like a 12-year-old child in you, the mind. The intellect is the adult in you that thinks, reasons, judges. Shall I do this? Shall I not? Mind says, yes, go, 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 go. The intellect says, no, no, no. I don't need it. That's the intellect. So to say stop, only the intellect can say stop. The mind cannot. So in order to control that, you need to develop the intellect. And this is what we're talking about. To develop that buddhi so that you can control the child in you. This is what, what this knowledge is helped to do. It's easy to say, we just stop. Difficult to practice because the mind is such, like monkey mind they call. Today, okay, I'm not going to do, I'm going to fulfill, I'm not going to do any uh, manifest new desires, I'm going to control them. Tomorrow something that you like comes up and you, know, you forget about it. This is, how, this is how the mind is, everyone's mind. 
Only the adult in you, the intellect, can do that. So that's what we're doing. We're developing that understanding. We have knowledge. So we can control that urge when it comes up. The bee had an urge. If he had an intellect, he'd say, you know what, there's a big thick glass, I ain't wasting half a day, I'm going to carry on flying. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have an intellect. The mind said, I want that. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to do. From learning this, we're trying to control our desires by knowing how the mind functions. Tonight you go home, a desire pops up. Now you can either say, yep, I'm going to fulfill that, or the intellect can kick in and say, you know what, that's a desire manifesting, I don't need that, it's trouble. Forget it. That's the intellect kicking in. But you have to have that available to you. Only way if it's developed and available to you. What's more stronger in you, the mind or the intellect? This is what we're learning. This is what we're trying to do, to develop that buddhi. So that it's available to you when you need it, when that urge comes up. And this is what we study. Three years in the ashram, Swamiji says, is only to develop your intellect. Nothing else. See, we've neglected it for so many years. So this is what we're trying to do. That's why you can have the knowledge, but it's not available to you. Even though you know intellectually, I mustn't do this, you still do it. Why? Because the mind is more powerful. Yeah, you're used to listening to your mind. You don't know how to say no. That's all it is, isn't it, really? The child says something I want. You can say no to, to the child, isn't it? It's easy. You know what's right and wrong for the child, but for yourself, you don't know what's right and wrong. You so can't say no. You yeah. But this is an art we have to learn. This is what we're learning. Then you're in control of your personality. This is the whole goal. So we can gain the knowledge, but applying it, we need the intellect. Any questions before we move on to the next poem? Please. In the poem, the glass represents obstacles, yeah, that are present, that keep us from fulfilling our desires. Do you think there's a glass within having a desire to develop spiritually? Yeah. What would you say the glass is then? The world. God, you can't get rid of the world, can you? <laughs> <laughs> Attractions. <laughs> That's why they live in the Himalayas. See, these guys, the Swamiji's, Swamis are learned people who know this text and still they have to go to the jungle because the world is so attractive. The world is so attractive. Even they have difficulty in controlling. What chance do we have? Like in the ashram, it's a world of its own, isn't it? Yes. What's happening outside? But, but it doesn't it doesn't stop the mind from going there. Mm. 
say no to... You have to say no to somebody who can say that. You have to say no to yourself. See, the world is what it is. We can't change the world. The world is what it is. The only thing we can do is change ourselves. Attractions are there. I'm not saying it's wrong to enjoy those attractions. We're not saying that. Okay? The world is there to be enjoyed. But it's having that self-control and being able to contact it on your terms. That's the difference. See, a person is in jail for 20 years. Does that stop his mind from going wherever he wants to? He can go to the moon and back, even though he's in a six-foot by six-foot jail. He can go to any place he wants. Physically, he may not go, but his mind can go there. That's an obstacle. This is what we're all learning. So, obstacles in your life are whatever stopping you from developing spiritually and perfecting your personality and saying, this is my goal, to become, to get to a state of desirelessness, to get to that goal of my self-realization, one with God, this is my goal. Any obstacle that comes in that way is the glass. That's the ultimate. But slowly you start with whatever obstacles that are causing you issues in life. Don't say me, yeah? <laughs> okay, any questions before we move on? Next poem we're going to do is The Toys. It's a little bit sad, this one, so. Can you hear me at the back row, yeah? Yes. Okay. My little son, who looked from thoughtful eyes and moved and spoke in quite grown-up wise. Having my Lord the seventh time disobeyed, I struck him and dismissed with hard words and unkissed. His mother, who was patient, been dead. Then, fearing lest his grief should hinder sleep, I visited his bed, but found him slumbering deep, with darkened eyelids, and their lashes yet from his late sobbing wet. And I, with moan, kissing away his tears, left others of my own. For on a table drawn beside his head, he had put within his reach a box of counters and a red-veined stone, a piece of glass abraded by the beach, six or seven shells, a bottle with bluebells, two French copper coins ranged there with careful art to comfort his sad heart. So when that night I prayed to God, I wept and said, Ah, when at last we lie with trance breath, not vexing thee in death, and thou rememberest of what toys we made our joys, how weakly understood thy great commanded good. Then fatherly not less than I whom thou 
hast molded from the clay, thou leave the wrath and say, I will be sorry for their childishness. We're going to explain this, what this means. Any first uh, thoughts? What's this poem about? What's this poem about? Yeah, perfect. So I didn't catch your name. Niv. What did the father? What happened? Anything? What happened? The father struck the child. Father struck the child. The child was not listening to him. Not listening to him. And then? But then he regretted it afterwards, obviously. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So what's this poem telling us? What's this poem telling us? Any ideas? Yeah. Control your emotions. Good. So the, we're going to go into a bit deeper in this point. Is but it, you're right. Was hmm? it that the little boy collected all those things, which if you think about what they are, they're almost bits of rubbish we would class. Yep. And he collected them, but they were in one sense, not really worth anything if we're thinking about yeah. the higher. Perfect. But we do the same. Yes. It's comparing. Yeah. He regretted his actions because he slapped him. Yeah. The father describes his son. The son didn't obey his father, didn't complete his chores, so the father gave him a slap. He struck him. So he felt he regretted it. So the evening his father went to the boy's room thinking he might be too upset to sleep, but his son was asleep. And he saw that his son had been crying. And next to his bed was a bedside table. On the table, he had some trinkets. As Sittle said, little, little toys. He had been playing with them. To, to take away his pain, you know, because he was sad. So when the father prayed that night, the father cried. He remembered the trinkets, and it made him realize that this is what we as humans do. Petty things we engage ourselves in to comfort our sad hearts. Desires. This is talking about desires again. What are our toys that brings us happiness? What is our toys? Mobile phone. <laughs> Mobile phone. Cars, houses, things. Name. Fame. Fame. Money. Power. Wealth. Money, wealth, status, position. This is all our toys, isn't it? Do you know who I am? you know what my bank balance is? <laughs> Did you see me on TV yesterday? Something mundane, ordinary, we relate to. To be entertained for a while until we get a slap. Means? What's the slap? 
we're talking about means realization. Realization. We get disappointed, no matter what it is. Even these famous people, you know, on this Big Brother house or all these. Where are they afterwards? Nowhere. Nowhere. They can't control. They they have no. They in fact, the, you know, these people who win the lottery, for example. You see some of their accounts because you know I was happier before I won the lottery. So we get a slap, we get disappointed, we get bored of that object or that person. So what we're saying is, bring temporary happiness again. Fulfilling our desires brings temporary happiness. So the father realized that those little trinklets brought happiness to his child, and he compared to all the things that we in life go for and he compared it to that how weakly understood thy great demand commanded good means scriptural knowledge values of life we don't understand even though it is given to us why because we're too preoccupied with sense objects Acquisition and enjoyment, materialism, the world. See, in the last, last line, it says, I will be sorry for their childishness. Even in the Gita, Krishna, throughout the Gita, it says, Balaha. Balaha means children. whole scriptures the term balaha means we are children we don't understand these high values so they look at us as children what are these high values anyone what are high values unselfishness Understanding purpose of life. So even Jesus, when he was crucified, what was his line? To forgive, um, people that forgive them, Lord, they do not know what they do. In other words, they are just children. That's what he said. So all these things that we aspire for in life, it's just toys. So the father understands this from looking at his son's trinkets, toys, left on the bedside cabinet. So what were they? The shells from the beach, no value. Stones, box of counters, two French copper coins, no value because he lives in England. He can't even buy any sweets with them. All useless things the child is collecting. And so are we. This is what they're saying. Only difference is the child collects small things from the beach and we as an adult collect bigger things. That's the only difference. But the effect is the same. It gives him a little bit of happiness. Yeah. Similarly, these things we collect, they give us temporary happiness. The whole scheme of life, 
our purpose in life, it is no difference to the child's trinkets. So the father feels sorry for the child. Similarly, it says the preceptor, meaning a person with wisdom, a sage, a self-realized person, feels sorry for us. Just as the father saying, look, these little toys, it brings him a little bit of joy. Similarly, these great sages are saying, feel sorry for you guys. Children. Children could also mean that we're all mind-led anyway. But in the sense... What it represents, right? Yeah, but in the, in the sense of the poem, we're comparing it to a child, mm. that's why. But taking it on its own, yes, you're right. But in this sense, we're com they're comparing us to the child in the poem. But yes, that's what your mind led, meaning they don't understand the true purpose of life. This is what they mean. See, in, in their poem it says, his mother who was patient, being dead. So the mother was t teaching him values, but she died. For us, mother means scriptures. We don't pay heed to what he said. It's available to us, but we don't understand it. But the mother, for us, is the scriptures. Vedas, Gitas, anything that gives us guidance. We don't pay heed to what he said. Useless things comfort the child, useless things comfort us adults. We keep demanding, God, let me get this. Give me this, give me that. We pray. Fulfill my desire. That's what we're saying, isn't it? When we pray, what we're saying, fulfill my desire. Do you pray for anything else? Ultimately. I want world peace. Fulfill my desire. Okay, it's not for you, but still it's a desire. Keep demanding, as we don't have enough. <laughs> we forget what we have, don't, isn't it? Remember we said we're in the, probably in the world's, 10% of the world's population for being, a, for being what we have. The rest of the world, 90% have less than us. And still we want more. It's the nature of the mind understanding this correct would you say that so if we're not happy now will we ever be happy <laughs> it's knowing that isn't it and it's understanding that if we're not happy now if we're not happy now chances are I'll never be happy Beauty fades, money comes and goes, even we come and go, <laughs> nothing stays. So he says, and when at last we lie with trance breath, meaning we have our last breaths now, 
not vexing thee in death, meaning we're not thinking God fulfill my desire anymore because we're on our last breath. Thou rememberest of what toys we made our joys, how weakly understood thy great commanded good, meaning we then understand that everything we went through was a waste of time. When we're, it's too late now, isn't it? <laughs> if I had done this, if I had done that. We remember the toys that made our joys. See, please don't misunderstand. It's a sad poem, this one, but don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean you should not go after these things. Yeah, don't say tomorrow, Anikadada, give me an outfit like yours. <laughs> I've had enough. I heard your message. <laughs> I'm going to the Himalayas. I'm not saying that, yeah? It doesn't mean you shouldn't go after these things. But go after these things with understanding the futility of sense objects. It's going, okay, I fancy a new car. Fair enough. I have the money. What can you use the money for? You can't use it for anything else but sense objects, yeah? You can only exchange money for sense objects. Something to see, hear, taste, smell, or touch. You cannot, money cannot change for anything else. So there's nothing wrong with exchanging money for that. But go with the understanding that it's going to bring me only temporary happiness. Your desires will keep manifesting. And my desires are insatiable. In three years when they bring out a new model, I want that. <laughs> I remember that now. Yeah, I have to be ready when that happens. Do you understand? So it's having this understanding. You know, we're fortunate where we are in the world, where we're living. We're able to earn money. We're able to buy anything we want. Yeah. So we're fortunate, but we have to contact the world in the right way. So understand this while you're pursuing things in life. Yeah. Utility of things is that because you get moments where you're really happy and content, aren't you? Mm. Um, so is it that we, I don't know, savor that moment but understand that tomorrow I'm going to be miserable or what? See, remember we said the world is made of pairs of opposites heat and cold. Mm. Yeah, heat and cold, night and day. Pleasure and pain, tall and short. How would you know someone's short if there was an, another person tall standing next to? Similarly, enjoyment will can only pain will come after enjoyment. Balance. Yeah. How would you know something's pleasurable unless you know what unpleasurable is? So it's knowing that, okay, this experience is giving me happiness, but it's, I know it's temporary. Pain will follow shortly. You come back from holiday, you had nice happiness, pleasure. You know pain is now going to come because you're back now. Holiday's over. Yeah. It'll be wrong of you to be miserable now, isn't it? Yeah. So to accept that, okay, I'm back. So having an understanding.
So savor that moment. It's not saying don't be happy. Savor that moment. But no, don't expect to hang on to that. It's also realizing what's making you unhappy. Why you're allowing that Lack of understanding. So you want to be permanently happy. It's not possible. It's not possible. It's like saying I want it to be 30 degrees every day. It's not possible. If you think about it another way, if you had happiness all the time, you get used to it, you get neutralized to it. <laughs> then you'll say, I want more happiness. <laughs> What's more happiness? I want infinite happiness. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> See, this is the problem in life, lack of understanding. That's why in the beginning we started by saying, Learning the truths of life. This is the truths of life. The world is made of pairs of opposites. If there's, if there's happiness, there's going to be unhappiness. Relatively, I'm talking, you know. You know, you like uh, it not to rain. To today's not raining, you're happy. Tomorrow's going to rain. Well, you're going to be unhappy. You're unhappy because you, underst you don't understand that rain can come after so sunshine. Then if you have that understanding, then honey from a weed, isn't it? <laughs> honey from a weed. Anita. Isn't it? That's what they're saying. Just knowledge, understanding of how things function. How the world functions, how you function. You contact the world, the result is happiness or unhappiness. If you contact the world correctly, the chances are honey from a weed. If you contact it incorrectly, miserable. That's simple. And this is what we're learning. Go. Tomorrow you get married. You need to understand your partner's nature. If you don't, whenever she's angry, you'll be unhappy. Correct? So you have to have the understanding, this is my partner's nature. Before, before you get married. No, I'm, just, I'm being serious. Before you get married, you need to understand, this is my partner's nature. Can I deal with that? Okay, how am I going to deal with it? So this is where the intellect comes in. Then you'll be happy all the time. She nags you, think, wow, <laughs> what nagging. <laughs> she smiles at you, why? What a, what a smile. Do you understand? Because you understand her person's nature. Did she tell now you know the secret? <laughs> you don't know the person till you leave with them. Whatever. You only show the true colors later. Whatever. You need to understand the nature. How the temple Enjoy. Enjoy every moment with an understanding it, this is temporary. Enjoy it to the fullest with the understanding. Funny, some people are really, really unhappy all the time. They see that helps themselves. They're seeking for happiness, but they're unhappy themselves. So this is good temporary. 
They don't know what happiness is. You're running away from your own, own happiness. They're not contained in your life. So when you contact an object, mm-hmm. okay, if it gives you happiness, you understand this contact is giving me happiness. If I contact it too much, I'll become neutralized to it. Enjoy it, but the craving is what causes the agitations. I want more of this, then your mind is agitated. But understanding that I'm going to a party, I'm going to enjoy myself, you'd be, you wouldn't want to go to a party and not enjoy yourself. But when the mind says, you know what, that was a really good party, tomorrow I'm going to go to another party, the next day I'm going to go to another party, that's the issue. Craving, you'll get neutralized to it. After three parties, you'll say, you know what, I don't want to go to any more parties. You've lost that enjoyment that you got. Now so your friend says, let's go to the party, say, you know what, I'm going to stay home. So having that right contact and understanding. It's getting the grip of your own life. Yeah. The right contact. Yeah. It's a fine line. But this you need to understand this. Understand how you function, how your mind functions, etc. Any other questions on the top two poems that we've covered? Is everyone mentally fatigued? Well, I hadn't planned it, but there is a quick one, and this is, doesn't need too much. Uh, and we've covered this before, okay? And it's uh, just to lighten things a little bit from the last one, yeah? And uh, you will understand this poem. It's the next one, by the way, the Blind Man and the Elephant. We've covered it before. So we'll just quickly go. It was six men of Hindustan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. So they all went to see an elephant, but, but they're all blind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bowl. God bless me, but the elephant is nothing but a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp. To me, this mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very much like a spear. The third approached the animal and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very much like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough, the elephant is very much like a tree. The fifth who chanced to touch the ear said, In the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can, this marvel of an elephant is very much like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quote he, the elephant is very much like a rope. And so these men of Hindustan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each 
was partly in the right, all were in the wrong. So often in this theological wars, the disputants, I ween, rail on in utter ignorance of what each other mean, and prate about an elephant no one of them has seen. Six blind men went to see an elephant. How can they see an elephant if they're blind? They all described an elephant. Each was right in a way, but they were all wrong. So what is this poem trying to talk about? What's the reference to the elephant? Replace the elephant with God. Replace the elephant with God. Because we can't see you ignorant about it? The whole world is arguing about what, who, what God is. No one has seen God. But everyone says, I know God. They fight wars to say, this is what God is. They kill. And no one's seen God. No one knows God. The elephant is huge, but lack of eyesight prevented the man from knowing it. Similarly, God is infinite. The intellect cannot conceive it, nor the mind feel it, nor the body perceive it. The human equipments cannot recognize God. Yet, some are emphatic in their description and explanation of God. The poet cautions humanity against such spiritual blindness. You must rise above fanatic belief and gain true knowledge of God. All these wars, follow me and I'll take you to God. That's what he's talking about. Silly, isn't it? Any questions? Makes you think. Sorry, questions? Everyone understand that poem? Yeah, it's quite deep. You have to start questioning. And we're not going to argue about religion. <laughs> you have to start questioning. What am I believing in? What am I believing in? See, it's not, it's all it's saying is be cautious. Don't follow, don't yeah. follow your own instincts. Be cautious in what you follow. In some religions, they're killing people thinking that this is what true God is. This is what true God wants you to do, and people are doing it. Showing comparison with this blind man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have some idea, but no one has a complete idea. There's no right answer. Yeah, there is no right answer. Because no one's seen God. You, you, you are God. <laughs> you are God. So which way do you go to, go to find God? Yeah. Within. Within yourself. 
not outside. Anyone teaches you how to go inside and find him is the right way to follow. That's what all the scriptures talk about. The Bhagavad Gita talks about you are God. Tells you how to find him in the scriptures. That's it. Any questions? You know, that's fine, that's normal, because you're at that, you're, you're at that stepping stone where you're questioning things, you see, and you're looking for answers, you will find them. You will find them. The fact is, your questioning is the first step. Most people are content and happy and not questioning anything. They're living in ignorance. Yeah? The fact that you're even questioning, you're doubting everything. That's the first step. It'll, it'll come in time. It'll come in the time it's supposed to come. Yeah. Don't be. Don't crave for the result. It'll come naturally. See, you've you've had how many years of conditioning? Now we're deconditioning with spiritual spiritual knowledge. It takes time. So don't get frustrated. One step at a time. One step at a time. See, you're, once you gain this knowledge, your life starts changing automatically. Your life, because your understanding of life changes, understanding of your yourself changes. You and um, you automatically start growing as a person. See, you think about it, all of us have stopped growing. Uh, we have accepted our situation, our life, and we're just going. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what car you drive. You're just going on with life. Now you're looking at your situation and thinking, hang on, hang on. Scriptures are telling scriptures are telling me this is what life is supposed to be, this is what the world is, this is who I'm supposed to be, this is my goal. Let me question, let me see. This is this is the step, you know. Then when they say, you know, he's become a spiritual person, this is what we're talking about. You start becoming spiritual. That doesn't mean that you wear these clothes and don't care about anything. while you're acting in the world, being a housewife, husband whatever, you become spiritual from within. This is being spiritual. Okay. Everyone got a headache now, so... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.